step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about how the pro-truth pledge is going to instill incentives for truth and against falsehoods. Right. So, one, let's talk about the incentives from the positive side. What are the rewards? So, what are the rewards for a public figure to take the pro-truth pledge? Let's say a congressperson. We have have, uh, some congress, uh, some people who are running for office in congress who have taken the pro-truth pledge. What's the reward? What's the benefit? Well, anyone, any private citizen who signs the pro-truth pledge, not a public figure, any private citizen who signs the pro-truth pledge has an opportunity to sign up for uh, their pro-truth pledge updates and action alerts by email and text. Now, they also have an opportunity to sign up to for all of their elected representatives to sign to, to check that they want all of their elected representatives to take the pro-truth pledge, like a petition. And they also have the opportunity to indicate they want to help with the pro-truth pledge, so volunteer their time for the pro-truth pledge. Now, when a public figure, let's say this congressperson, signs the pro-truth pledge, she has the opportunity to put in a paragraph describing why they took the pro-truth pledge and why they care about the truth in general, and to put in free links to any free links they choose. So to their campaign page, to their contribution page, to their social media page, and so on. That gets sent out in a bi-monthly, so twice a month, email to all who subscribe to email updates to the pro-truth pledge. That congressperson, therefore, nation and the base of supporters among people, and it gets sent out to people in their area, so who are relevant to them, who would be relevant to providing them with support. So let's say if it's the um, congressperson in Ohio, it would be sent out to people in Ohio, that part of the list. So that person gets a chance to get support from these people, and in whatever way, both to get recognition and perhaps volunteers, perhaps campaign contributions, whatever. So that's good for that politician. Now, that politician also gets another benefit. If uh, the opponent he's running against, if the opponent she's running against doesn't sign the pro-truth pledge, then the politician can attack that opponent for not toward truth and honesty and being oriented toward therefore deception. So why is their opponent not signing the pro-truth pledge? What does the opponent have to hide? What's the opponent lying about? So they get that as a nice weapon to use against their opponent. That's the reputational benefit. And finally, they get a reputation of someone credible and honest by signing the pro-truth pledge. That comes from the reverse mechanism, which is the punishment. So anyone who signs a pro-truth pledge and is a public figure, so you can indicate whether you're a public figure on the pro-truth pledge, is monitored and evaluated by uh, the volunteers who indicate they want to help with the pro-truth pledge. 
So anyone who indicates they want to help will be contacted and they'll have a number of activities that they can choose to do, including monitoring and evaluating public figures like media, figures, commentators, podcast show hosts, public intellectuals like myself, politicians who signed the pro-truth pledge. If a public figure, let's say the congressperson, says something that goes against the truth, and we can talk about what we mean by the truth as part of the pro-truth pledge. If it goes against the truth, then that advocate would approach the person and within, we ask that they approach them with an innocent until proven guilty perspective. Perhaps they misheard something or the person misspoke or something, there was a mistake. And they ask like, hey, what's going on? I'm concerned that this might be a violation of the pro-truth pledge. Let's talk about this. And then it could be resolved right there. And as part of celebrating updating, if the person retracts, if the public figure retracts her words, it would be fine. Yeah. No harm, no foul. Everything's good. Now, if the advocate is still concerned and the, you know, the public figure hasn't retracted uh, her words, then the advocate would go to a mediating committee. Anyone can be an advocate. So anyone who signs up immediately can be an advocate. However, we, don't, we want to prevent trolling. So the mediating committee is composed of vetted volunteers who have been uh, selected after a process of evaluation and so on. So the mediating committee then evaluates this, the evidence presented by the advocate about the congressperson uh, lying and, and violating the pro-truth pledge. And then they reach out to the congressperson again and they ask for a defense of the statement or an explanation and so on. Then finally, if the mediating committee decides that this is a lie, they give the person another chance to retract it, then their evaluation is checked by another mediating committee, and finally, at that stage, the congressperson is put in violation uh, in contempt of the pro-truth pledge. So contempt of the pro-truth pledge is a pretty serious thing. So we send media advisories to all relevant figures. So let's say if it's a congressperson in Ohio, it would be all relevant media figures in and around uh, her district. And we send an email text and uh, if people sign up for text or email action alert to all the in, around that congressperson's district to tweet to the media, to tweet to that person, to email, write letters to the editor about this person being in contempt of the pro-truth pledge. So this is a pretty serious media punishment, reputational punishment. And if the person plans to violate the pro-truth pledge, then they're better off not signing it at all in the first place. So we have, as a result, people, the longer they have signed the pro-truth pledge without being in contempt of it, and we have a public record on the website of who's in contempt or plan to establish one, then that's the longer they have a record of being trustworthy and honest and credible. And so they have a track record through having been signed up on the pro-truth pledge and maintaining it. And this will follow them throughout their lives. You know, the candidates who are right now work running for local council office will be uh, running for legisl state legislatures and governors and uh, federal legislators and federal offices. They'll still be on the pro-truth pledge going forward from when they signed it. So they can have a strong track record, which they can point to, of their honesty and credibility. That sounds awesome. I love the way that this really does give us a system that's going to allow us to really help start to reward. The idea that truth 
needs to have its own set of rewards. Still baffling, but I do but I do like that we've got that as well as a uh tempered system for uh for for punishing lies and giving people the uh, the opportunity to to retract and to be wrong and to just go from uh uh, from from being wrong to being more educated. That's that's yeah. always that's always an option that I think that everyone should be able to have. Absolutely. I mean, I'm I took the approach with pledge. I'm sure I'll misspeak sometime, but by violating the pledge, that's not a big deal as long as I retract my words when presented with evidence, and that's fine. And I'll be glad to be have an opportunity to learn and grow by learning, oh, I made a mistake in saying that. Thank you for helping point it out to me. So I appreciate that. So having that system where it's a very, not a gotcha system, but a very kind of helpful, celebrating, updating, and learning system, that's what we want to establish. That's the kind of attitude that we want to establish. Now, I don't want to sound critical, Gleb, because I really do think that the pro-choice pledge is awesome. But it, it's we've we've recently learned. I think I saw a, a maybe you did you already talk about the poll that that, that said that uh, conservative leaning people, people who tend to use their auto intuition, don't seem to trust uh, online fact checking sites. Yes. They don't That's seem right. to trust. Uh, Places that have online petitions and so forth. Uh, there's this there's this whole thing about fake news. Uh, sure. How do we get this past that barrier to get someone who is um, to, to get someone to understand that uh, taking away the Affordable Care Act is a bad idea, um, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> so. I share that. I this does not do specific object level things, and that's why it can be gotten. Uh, we can get through them. It doesn't talk about the Affordable Care Act. It doesn't talk about uh, you know gun control. It doesn't talk about these things. Now, privately, I can feel whatever I want about the Affordable Care Act and so on. But in the context of the pro-choice pledge, I can't objectively say that the Affordable Care Act is good or bad for the country in an objective way. So this is not a thing that is like, you know, different people will perceive it differently, right? And there are different values. This is a value thing. This is not about an objective fact thing. So we can get the pro-truth pledge to conservatives as well as liberals because we can agree on the things that are, that what is the truth because it's about the process as opposed to the outcome. Now, the thing about fact-checking websites, PolitiFact, FactCheck.org, Snopes, and so on, they don't focus on the inherent essence of what is true. They focus on outcomes. And when it happens to be the case that your favorite candidate happens to lie more often, what's the outcome there? Well, your favorite candidate is getting slammed by these fact-checking websites, <laughs> and therefore the intuitive response is going to be like, well, do you trust your favorite candidate or do you trust the fact-checking websites? And so many people trust the candidates over the fact-checking websites. 
And that's very unfortunate, but that's just how life works. That's just how our politics work. Nobody is forcing you to sign the pro-truth pledge. Candidates who lie will simply not sign it, and that's okay. But then there'll be the candidates who didn't sign the pro-truth pledge. (laughs) (laughs) And when they're facing candidates who did sign the pro-truth pledge, there's nothing really that conservatives can talk about. I mean, looking at the pro-truth pledge, it's not about liberals or conservatives. It's very clearly about here are the 13 behaviors that are associated with the truth. Now, why would somebody not sign this pledge? Then they clearly don't want to engage in the behaviors that are associated with the truth. So what does that tell you about the person? It's not about uh, you know this, a specific hot-button issue. And that's really important because it's these hot-button issues that push away conservatives from fact-checking websites. I, I, see, I see what you're saying. It's because when we go to a fact-checking website, it's to fact-check a specific thing. And um, when the fact-checking site finds that there was no wiretapping in Trump Tower, and that goes against our confirmation bias, yep. then it the site must be wrong because we Perfect. already know that there was indeed wiretapping in the Trump Tower. That's how it works. Whereas the pro-truth pledge, it's like, okay, this is what the truth is. And conservatives who read it will say, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) And liberals who read it will say, okay, that makes sense. Yes. You know, we can all agree that three plus three equals six, you know? So uh, that's just a thing of what is true. And if conservatives and liberals had an equally objective way of evaluating whether there was – you know, wiretapping in Trump Tower, if they were both faced before a thing like, is three plus three equal, does that equal six? Okay, yes, no, you know? And here, it's, is this, is this true? You know, should we, should we all strive to avoid sharing misinformation, even in service to a cause you believe is good? Should we do our best to share sources, providing a way, way for others to verify? You know, sure. Who would say no to this stuff except with the obvious intention of lying? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I agree. Uh, Is there hope for us, Gleb? Do we (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, an internal question, Andrew. I I mean, yeah. No, go ahead. I think there is hope, otherwise I wouldn't be doing it because, like, what's the point, right? Uh, So I do see hope, and I see hope in the fact that uh, both conservatives and liberals have already signed the pro-truth pledge, and they're, you know, it's not a a partisan thing. It's a bipartisan thing. Now, I anticipate that there will be more conservatives than liberals who will not sign the pro-truth pledge because of things like, the science orientation. For example, in defining the truth, uh, we talk about the scientific consensus as being one of the ways that we know that something is true. So people, you know, there happen to be right now more Republicans who are going against the scientific consensus than Democrats, for example, in climate change denial, that human-caused climate change denial. So that's just the way it is. And so if people are caring about the truth and the scientific consensus, and they're not going to sign it. And then there will be the candidates who 
are not oriented toward the truth because science is the best way we as human beings have of discovering the truth about the physical world around us. And, but we still have lots and lots and lots of moderate Republicans who are pretty science-oriented and who will be willing to sign the pro-truth pledge. And, you know, uh, the presidency's won or lost by thousands of votes, not millions of votes. I think it was, what, 60,000 votes in key states that swung the election this time? That's enough to make a difference. If we can get a million people to sign the pro-truth pledge, that can make such a huge difference. There will be among that million people a whole bunch of Republicans as well as Democrats. And that will make a huge swing difference in people being more oriented toward the truth and changing the election outcomes because of it. Yeah, you know, I um, I remember a time when I used to think of myself as a conservative, um, and I miss the days when I could have conversations with um, other people uh, about topics that I that, about topics where we disagreed, where one of us might come from one perspective, another another one might come from a different perspective, but we at least agreed that human cause that that human activity has caused climate change uh, that wasn't the question the question was how do we do we let the free market help in 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 solving climate change or is it going to take more social activism in order to change uh people's co- uh consumption habits both of these things i think have merit but you can't even get this conversation off the ground anymore because yeah. instead we have people who just want to bring a snowball into the Capitol building and say, look, <laughs> there's no global warming. I have a snowball in my hand. I mean, and and, and again, if, if we were having this conversation before a guy brought a snowball in to actually – before this actually happened – I would think that this was satire. I would think that this is a comedy routine. This is something from Saturday Night Live, but th- that's not true. Yeah. I, you know, if, if, if I hope conservatives take the pro-truth pledge, I want the conversation to go back to how do we enact policies to make things better, and it's not about whether or not there needs to be a policy because is global warming true. It's what policies will be best and most effective to combat the problem. Is it through individuals changing their consumption behaviors, or is it through something else through the free market? Is that is 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 there is a mix? Probably, but you know, we we we've lost that conversation, and I miss having that conversation with people who I used to think of as reasonable conservatives. I miss those people. Where? Bring those people back to me, Gleb, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is what we're trying to do. I honestly think that this is what we need to do is rebuild the role of truth in our society. And the way to do that is to get as many people as possible to take the pro-truth pledge and bring it forward and share about it and talk about it and indicate they want to help with it and volunteer. You know, the best, the best things that we've been able to do, the best ways that we've been able to do 
is getting going to rallies and doing tabling and just sitting there and talking to people about it. And we got one rally uh, in Columbus on um, Earth Day after the science march. We got something like over 150 signatures for the pro-truth march. That's something anyone can do. It's such an easy thing. You know, the e it's an easy thing to do, to go and sign the pro-truth pledge, the pro-truth pledge.org, sign it, share it in your social media, indicate you want to help, and we'll contact you and help give you training, and then become an advocate, go and get your neighbors to sign it, get your friends to sign it. Make this a thing. Make this work, people. <laughs> this is going to be really important for the future of our country. Otherwise... How are we going to bring back the conservatives into a conversation if we don't even have a shared understanding about what is true? You know, how can we have a conversation about the Health Care Act, about uh, the Affordable Care Act, if we can't have the medical conversation about what is true and how do we know what is true? If we can't have that conversation, like you said, we can't really have a conversation about anything. We can't have a conversation about anything if the conversation is being had by bringing snowballs into the Capitol building or our current, you know, uh, the EPA, uh, whatever its name is, saying that carbon dioxide is not a major contributor of climate change. You know, that's not a conversation we can have because that's just not about the truth. It's not about what we see as actually happening with carbon dioxide. That's not what the scientific consensus says. Um, there's a so it's really frustrating and sad to see politicians basically saying that I know better than you scientists about what causes climate change, and they are based buying it, believing it, and saying that, yes, okay, you politicians uh, are right and the scientist is wrong. One of the tenets of the pro-truth pledge actually is uh, relates to that. It's uh, the one that's called respect expertise. I will aim to recognize the opinions of those who have substantially more expertise on topics than myself as more likely to be accurate in their assessments in cases where the facts cannot be determined accurately, while reserving the right to choose whether to update my opinions or their perspective. That's about trusting expertise, trusting science, trusting people who have the credibility on a topic, not, you know, whatever you make up in your mind about what is true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, I should be wrapping this up, um, but I don't want to. <laughs> uh, um, um, yeah, I just, I just, I don't want to. And um, uh, <laughs> look, uh, when we've seen the interviews on TV, where there's a person who voted for Trump, and uh, suddenly they're an illegal immigrant who's going to be deported. Uh, they're a person who voted for Trump. They uh, depend on the Affordable Care Act so that they can get medicine. Uh, mm -hmm. And they are still supporting the repeal of the Affordable Care Act. We see these people. These mm -hmm. people who have somehow been convinced to vote against their best interests. Uh, to to vote for a person who has said and then delivered that he wants to deport uh, the, the deplorables. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now 
the family that that voted for him is the family that's being torn apart. Yep. I I, I guess when you, and when you see these people on TV, they will say again, "Well, I understand it's happening to me, but I'd still vote for Trump. I wouldn't change <laughs> a thing." I mean, we've seen this, and it's baffling. Um, how can I, I don't I don't know if we can, I don't how how do we reach these people? How do we appeal to these guys and say, "Look, I understand that." Um, I understand that you you have concerns that you, that you don't that you didn't like Obama. Fine, all right. There were things about Obama I didn't like too, but sure. at the same time, it's not like Trump made any of this stuff secret. Um, <laughs> and you, you depend on the Affordable Care Act to get the medicine that keeps you alive. Mm-hmm. There have been two now failed, thankfully, bills to try to repeal the Affordable Care Act. There will be more. Sure. I don't know how the Affordable Care Act is going to survive this Trump administration. Yeah. Um, I hope it does, but I don't see how it's possible. Um, when it goes away, these people are going to be in a world of hurt. How do we reach them, Gleb? How do we, te- how do we get them to understand that they made a mistake in the election, and it's not too late to fix it? Yeah. So this is one of the fundamental things that we work on uh, outside of the pro-truth pledge explicitly with it, but outside of it as well. So we do research on how do you actually reach those people. And we've done actually quite successful efforts to reach these people. I'll give you an example of an interview I had with Scott Sloan. Scott Sloan is a pretty well-known conservative radio show talk host. He's known in the secular world as well. He debated Aaron Ra a number of times on evolution, um, on the ARC exhibit in Kentucky. So he's based in Cincinnati, uh, Scott Sloan is. And Scott Sloan had Donald Trump on his radio show shortly before I came on. So he's, he's a pretty prominent conservative talk show host. And I went with him on the show with him to talk about Muslims and how do you deal with Muslim terrorism. Now, I'm based in Columbus, Ohio, and so pretty close to Cincinnati. We had a terrorist attack here in Columbus, Ohio, where someone, where a Muslim drove his car into a bunch of students at Ohio State University, where I'm a professor, and then ran out of the car with a knife stabbing some people before he was shot. So this is a terrorist show, and as you can imagine, Scott Sloan was all down on Muslims. (laughs) You can imagine that, conservative, and I said, Hey, Scott, I totally hear you. You know, you're fearful, you know, angry toward Muslims. It's natural to fear anger toward Muslims, fear toward Muslims. But let's talk about what we want here. We want safety and security, right? Now, um, I didn't necessarily value safety and security nearly as much as Scott Sloan. I value civil rights for Muslims. But research shows that conservatives tend to value safety and security very highly. So I, and I have some value for safety and security. So I oriented toward what we both care about. I made us allies. So I first validated his emotion, and I, then I made both of us allies. I said, hey, you know, let's be allies about safety and security. So from a confrontational, he probably thought I was going to be confrontational, you know, talking about civil liberties and stuff. I went to a collaborative. Then I said, how do we actually get safety and security? 
Well, in this happened in 2016, and uh, so I looked back at the statistics in 2015, and I said, in 2015, there were six Muslim attacks, Muslim terrorists, out of a population in the United States of about 1.8 million Muslims. So any given year, you have a chance of picking out a Muslim from, uh, you know, a terrorist from Muslims of one out of 300,000. That's like picking out uh, a terrorist from, a, you know, from several football stadiums of people. <laughs> Not very likely. So you're going to waste so many resources of safety and security, Scott, I told him, if you focus on Muslims and uh, persecuting Muslims, policing Muslims heavily. Now, secondly, if you persecute Muslims by policing them heavily and criticizing them and so on, Muslim communities are not going to be willing to collaborate with you. And the FBI has said, you know, that their collaboration is really important, they have said this, with them, you know, Muslim communities in order to discover terrorists. They're not really going to collaborate with you if you persecute them and, you know, police them heavily. Finally, ISIS is already using uh, Donald Trump's rhetoric in its recruitment tapes for Americans to become terrorists. If you persecute them more, they'll have more material. So they'll be recruiting more terrorists from America, from Americans. So if you persecute Muslims, Scott, if you criticize them and persecute them, you're going to be less safe, not more safe. So despite what your gut feeling tells you, despite your discomfort with Muslims, your fear and anger toward them, some negative emotions toward them, it would be intentional and logical and rational for you to be nice and kind and generous toward Muslims in order to have less terrorism, despite what you feel, despite what your intuitions tell you. Conversation, he updated, and he said, yes, okay, I can agree with that. You know, uh, we need to be less uh, persecuted and policey toward Muslims, and we need to be kind and generous toward them, even if we don't feel like it for the sake of our safety and security. Now, this is the similar sort of situation to anyone you'll face. <laughs> so, what do you do? so what are the strategies? You appeal to the person's emotions and validate their emotions because they're not rational. You know, don't assume that they're rational. You validate their emotions. Don't go to what you don't go to saying no, you're wrong. This is what we should do. Say your emotions are valid. You're not wrong to feel fear and anger. Then align yourself. Make yourself their ally. Say you know you might be fearful around, you know, um, deal or, or uh, the healthcare being taken away. Uh, let's be allies around uh, the healthcare not being taken away. And don't say, you know, Trump is taking away your healthcare. Just say, you know, you might be afraid of it. I'm afraid of it. You're probably afraid of it. Let's be allies about working to make sure the healthcare is not taken away. And what can we do to make sure the healthcare is not taken away? Oh, look what's happening. The you know, there's a bill going on to take away pre-existing conditions. Let's fight against the bill. Let's not fight against Trump. Let's fight against this bill. So you make yourself allies around a certain, you validate their emotions, you put yourself on the same side, and you give them a course of action that doesn't inherently defy their worldview and kind of, you know, go against Trump as their ally, but go against a specific action. I didn't ask, notice, I didn't ask Scott Sloan to not vote for Trump because Trump, you know, is, you know, very nasty toward Muslims. I asked Sloan, uh, Sloan to be kind and generous toward Muslims. So 
I didn't go into identity politics. I didn't go into like, pol- you know, this like political engagement. I asked for a specific change in behavior and specific alliance around a specific issue. So that's the way that you can get people whose specific interests are threatened by um, Republicans in power to ally with you. Now, it's a difficult process if you don't have comfort with it. It's not intuitive. It doesn't feel comfortable to our guts. <laughs> it, feels much, it feels much more comfortable to shout at the person and say, hey, you're wrong, you're stupid, and you're dumb, and you'll get what's coming to you. But is that really going to be productive? <laughs> no. What's going to be productive is having the same sort of conversation I had with Scott Sloan. Right. By, by, by starting where they're at, by knowing that, they're, that are you, they've come to their conclusion based on an emotion – uh, and then taking that as your leaping off point, mm-hmm. they're go- they're going to be much more likely to follow you on the journey to being uh, generous and accepting towards Muslims, um, for example. Uh, rather than if you start with, look, it doesn't make sense to it, 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 to, to stereotype everyone based on a person. And while that might be true, mm-hmm. that's not where they're starting. They're starting from a place of fear and insecurity. So we can talk yes. about why that's valid, and then how we can make that, how we can alleviate that fear by doing exactly the thing we want them to do, by being more generous and more accepting of, of, of a marginalized group. Yes, exactly. Or uh, working with us on ensuring that Affordable Care Act stays in place, even while still supporting Trump in other ways. So we shouldn't have a big ask. We shouldn't ask them to reject Trump. We should ask them to just be allies with us around this thing. So that's another thing, like not threaten their whole worldview because they'll just get defensive and you don't want that. Well, this has been an amazing time. I mean, honestly, amazing. I've I've loved it. And if I didn't he- if I didn't hear my kid yelling for me in the other room, I'd go on talking to you for another hour. But <laughs> but I can't. So uh, tell everyone again about where to find you, where to find the pro-choice pledge, where to go to where to go to find uh, intentional insight, and uh, give give all that information out for us. Sure. If people want to get in touch with me, I'm always happy to hear questions and thoughts. And my email is gleb g l e b at intentional insights intentionalinsights.org. So gleb at intentionalinsights.org. Intentional Insights is naturally at intentionalinsights.org. And this is the nonprofit that runs the ProTruth Pledge at protruthpledge.org. And I want to check with you, Andrew, as the conclusion of this conversation. Will you be willing as a public figure yourself to take the ProTruth Pledge? Remember, you can have a paragraph and have your own links to send to all the people who took the pro-truth pledge, and that will get you a bigger audience. So that could be your incentive for taking it. <laughs> oh, uh, I actually just signed the pro-truth pledge. I didn't think you were going to consider me a public figure, so Absolutely. I skipped that part. I might go back and do it you again. Should. <laughs> you should. Absolutely. You should absolutely go and do it again. You are a public figure, and you can get a bigger audience, and you deserve it for being taking the pro-truth pledge and being more honest and credible. <laughs> I might just go back to do that, yes. There uh, you go. 
But yeah, I, uh, while we were talking, I went ahead and, and, and signed that. Uh, I think I think that this is a great first step, and we will. I will make sure to have the links for uh, all the things that we've talked about today uh, in the show notes for this episode. Uh, Gleb, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, this has been fantastic, just absolutely out of this world. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been a pleasure to be on, and I really appreciate your. Like the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable at slash Atheist Roundtable on Facebook or find your host at slash Andrew the Atheist. Send all of your email to andrewtheatheist at gmail.com. This podcast is the official podcast of atheists, humanists, and agnostics of the Wabash Valley. Find us on Facebook for monthly meetups. Music for this episode is provided, as always, by Dick Richards. Thank you, Dick. God isn't here. We are. Take care of yourselves. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.